All right, morning all, afternoon. I'm feeling a bit self-conscious today because, uh, I don't know, I was sat, I've got to do a 50th anniversary thing later on today and rededicate their marriage, but as I was sat down there earlier, I was just thinking, I really would like to buy a, a, a Land Rover and, um, and maybe get myself some, you know, some dogs and live on a farm. And I suddenly thought, why am I thinking this? And I, and I looked at my attire and I look like I'm going to a farmer's convention. So uh, I do apologize. Wish Tracy had said something. She probably knew, right? <laughs> All right, so last week we looked at Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, and we're going to carry on with that. So if everyone got a Bible with you. Now, it's really easy to preach from the New Testament because it pretty much tells you the answer, yeah? But with the Old Testament, you've got to do a little bit more work to get stuff out of it. Uh, and that's one of the things that I enjoy doing with the Old Testament. I love to meditate on it and just dwell on it and just see where the Spirit leads and the things that, that he brings out of it. So last week uh, we looked at a few things. We looked about mission and the importance of community. But today we're going to look at spiritual warfare. Oh yeah. If I can just get this thing together. This is a really, it looks really cool but it's actually really impractical to hold. Um, okay, so Deuteronomy 20 verse 1, uh, it says, When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots, a people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, as I said the other week, it's, it, I like how the sentence starts. It says, when you go out to war. Not if you go out to war, or maybe once in your lifetime you'll go out to war. It says when you go out to battle, or when you go out to war. In other words, it's a given. For Christians, you are going to go to war. And when you were conscripted, you weren't conscripted into Butlin's holiday camp, where we just all drink palada, whatever, you know, just sit on deck chairs, and just drink whatever all day. We are actually conscripted into, although it's a family of God, but it's also the army of the Lord. And we've got work to do, and there's some fighting to do, amen? And sometimes, you know, there's two types of um, attack. There's sometimes attack that God allows for you so that you can grow stronger in the things of the Lord. And then there's sometimes we get attacked because the enemy is just dirty and underhanded. And sometimes we get attacked because we've put ourselves into a place of vulnerability and we've opened ourselves to it. I'm sure we've all have experienced that in our lives in various, various degrees. So, one of the things when it comes to spiritual warfare is, you know, it's always the usual stuff, isn't it? Spiritual warfare, how to bind, you know, bind up this and loosen that and powers and principalities and stuff like that. Well, we're not going to go there today because actually there's a lot of stuff in spiritual warfare that you probably do already, not even aware of it. And it's good to know what we're doing in respect to spiritual warfare because there are some fundamental basics that you, if you know that what you're doing is actually a part of warfare, it can really help you in your walk with God as well, especially when you're getting some stick from the enemy. Now, in, there's a scripture here in Judges 3 verse 1. It says, these are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan. In other words, God deliberately left enemies in the land of Israel so that these new Israelites who had grown up, who had never experienced war, they would have to now experience it so that they know what it's like to fight, that they would know what it's like to defend. 
And uh, I'm, I don't know if anyone's, well, of course you have, you all played video games, right? But when you get to the next level, you get a bigger boss that you've got to fight at the end of that level. And you get to that next level, there's another bigger boss you've got to fight, yeah? And it's the same with the things of God, isn't that old saying, next level, another devil, okay? So as we break through into another area or another realm of freedom in our life in Christ, then be expectant that you might have to do some wrestling and some contending and some fighting and standing firm against the enemy, okay? Hallelujah. So every Christian here, you're all conscripted into the army of the Lord. And uh, so we're going to look at some fundamentals of warfare now. Um, and I think these are the fundamentals. You see, sometimes as Christians, we want to get into like the really, oh, tell me about all the super spiritual stuff. And it's like, well, if you haven't got the basics down, then you really don't want to go into the super spiritual stuff because you can put yourself into a lot of trouble, actually. If you haven't got certain things right in your own life and then you got to go out and give the enemy a hard time, well, you've got to be careful, all right? Um, so here's a good scripture. It's in Romans 6.13. And this is from the CSB Bible, the Christian Standard Bible. And it says, Do not offer any part of your body to sin as weapons of unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God as weapons of righteousness. So when, when we were sinners, yeah, and we were doing the things that the world does, we are using our bodies as weapons of unrighteousness. We're actually doing spiritual warfare, but on behalf of the devil. Okay, We're bringing darkness into a world that should be full of light, and we're infecting this world. And so every time as a Christian that we, we decide to go and become more carnal and worldly, we're actually using our bodies as weapons of unrighteousness. Okay, So here Paul is saying, but... Knowing that you're not like that anymore, you need to now use your bodies as weapons of righteousness. In other words, being obedient to God really annoys the devil. Being obedient to God brings light to where there's darkness. Being obedient to God causes demons to get out of the area. Actually, you know, I was speaking to, to someone earlier. Forgive me, I can't remember who it was. But I remember Tracy booked me a holiday once. Just, you know, we went camping somewhere. I can't remember where it was off the top of my head, but basically she didn't realise that it was actually the heartbed of witchcraft in, in the UK, all right? So we thought we'd go into town, and, uh, and I just knew, as soon as I entered the town, I was like, there's something not right about this place. Now, I didn't know where I was. Had I known the name of the place, I'd be like, okay, right, get out here. Um, so, and we, we arrived at this place and got out the car, and just something felt really odd about this place, and then I saw this woman who looked very new agey, you know. And, uh, and then there was another one. And then there was another one. And then there was, and I was like, hang on a minute here. And then I started reading the actual titles of the shops. And it, it was all witchcraft, 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 witchcraft. And then I suddenly, and I was like, oh no, I know where we are. We're in this place. And, and, and I was immediately challenged by this thought. There's, what would the early church have done? Would they have ran for the hills? We're not going there. That place is full of darkness. Let's run away. Run away. Retreat. Retreat. Or would they have gone into that place and tried to infect it with light? Amen? And that's really as Christians. So when you are using your bodies as weapons of righteousness, you are getting into a place, whether you like it or not, you're involved in spiritual warfare. 
Everybody, if you're working in secular secular workplace, you know what it feels like sometimes. Sometimes it's just like it wearies. It's so weary because you are having to fight that culture. And that's why it's good to have more Christians than just one on your own. Because the more of us there are, the more we can bring the culture of the kingdom of God into our midst. But when you're in the kingdom of darkness and you've got, you're like, hey, little kingdom of light, and you've got all this darkness all around you, it's a bit harder. But this is a part of our warfare. And it's good to be aware of, of these uh, fundamentals as well. And, you know, spiritual warfare is not just about what you do and about what you say, but it's also about what you think. It says in, where is it? It's uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It says, we take every thought captive, you know, tearing down strongholds, we, we, by taking every thought captive. And it's like, why is our thought life so important? Now, a lot of Christians may not know this, but actually what goes on inside here is just as bad as what goes on outside of your body. A lot of people think that, well, you know, when Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed the act of adultery. But we kind of go, well, you know, no one got hurt. Um, there was, you know, it, you know, my wife didn't find out and there's no divorce and all this. Sort of you think, well, surely what went on in there is not as bad as what goes on on the outside. But no, not to God. To God, both are just as bad. They really are. And so that's why we have to take every thought captive. So one of our spiritual weapons of warfare is to watch what goes on inside our head. Now, we all get tempted. Temptation isn't a sin. It's when you act on the temptation or dwell on the temptation, then it turns into sin, and then that causes you to do something you shouldn't do or think things that you shouldn't think. Amen? So that's really quite important. And so this leads me then to obedience. Obedience to God in his word. You see, it says part of the Abrahamic blessing, which is the blessing that God gave to Abraham in Genesis, part of that blessing was, you shall possess the gates of your enemy. But the problem is, often or not, we haven't even got our own gates possessed, let alone our enemy's gates, because we're not taking the time to deal with our thought life. We're not taking the time to deal with those things in our lives which the enemy so easily gets us time and time and time again. Did you, do you, everyone know what I'm saying? And so as we then gain the upper advantage, once we've got those things sorted out, then we can go out and take the enemy's gates. But sometimes we're like, yeah, let's go and take the kingdom of God. Let's go and kick the devil's doors down by storm. And it's like, well, just, let's just, that's, I love the zeal. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I love that passion. But... Have you, have you dealt with your addiction to pornography? Have you dealt with those things in your life where you know, you, you've got a lot of hurt from the past and you're still angry at these people? Have you dealt with issues of unforgiveness? Have you dealt with that root of bitterness, for example? These are really important things because it says in Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, this is an example, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Because I hear that you often I've come across Christians very super spiritual. Oh, the devil has nothing on me. You know, he can't touch me because I'm covered in the blood of the lamb. And it's like, well, that's theologically, technically true. But to gain that 
that theological uh, truth is you need to be then applying the rest of the theology to walk in that. And the Bible says, you know, you can't get angry and get offended at people because if you do, you will give a place for the devil to get a foothold. And once the devil gets a foothold, then he can kick you around like a little can. Bing, 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 bing. Kick, 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 and have, have, a gay, have a gay old time with you. All right? Anyone being kicked around by the devil? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've, all, we've all been there. It's like, yeah, yeah, amen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, but God doesn't want us to be in this place. So I just wanted to go through some basics. Because one of the things, one of the key things that Christians are really good at, we're all good at it, we're so good at this one, is getting offended, aren't we? Yeah, amen. See, Scott, he's out. Yeah, see? <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's so easy to get offended. <laughs> now, in the Greek language, the word offense is the Greek word scandalon, and it's where we get the word scandalized or scandal from. And a scandalon is a baited part of a trap. So you have a trap with the, with the bit that comes down, and in here you've got the bait. And what happens is when you go in and you take the scandal on, or you're scandalized, and you bite down on that baited part of the trap, then the door shuts behind you, and he's got you. Okay? So every time we get offended, okay, uh, even though it might seem you're the most righteous person that ever walked the earth, okay, husbands, wives, okay, when you're having this argument, it's like, no, I'm, I'm absolutely right. I'm absolutely right. I'm just remembering this, this picture I put it on Facebook a few weeks ago about this guy saying, me, uh, having, after having won an argument with my wife, and he's outside lying in, the, lying in the garden with the dogs, you know, because it's like, yeah, well, good luck with that, mate. But you can't, we can't get offended and we've got to be so careful with that baited part of the trap. So how can we avoid some of these things? So, I mean, you know all this stuff, but actually when you realize it's a part of your daily warfare, your daily ritual to warfare, it will help you, yeah? So firstly, real basic stuff, spend time in the word, okay? Jesus says that his word sanctifies us and his word washes us because it's pure. Spend time in prayer. Have a dedicated time, but also spend time praying throughout the day. Now, I don't know if you're, about, if you're like me, but my mind can just wander off into la-la land for, for hours, actually. It's, it's really good. You should come with me sometimes. We just pink, fluffy things. But, you know, you've got to take your thought captives. And so I'm thinking, instead of just thinking all this nonsense, I should be praying. So, you know, if you've got time to think like that, you've got time to pray. So pray about situations in all things. Uh, through prayer and supplication. Another great form of warfare is worshipping the Lord. We'll look a bit more at that in a minute. So meditating on the word, being in community with God's people, that's a real one, that's a real biggie. You wouldn't think that that would matter, would it? Would you? Um, but there's a scripture, we'll, we'll turn there now. So this is in Deuteronomy 26. So again, I love how the Old Testament teaches us so many things. This is Deuteronomy, sorry, not 26, 25, and verses 17 to 18. Deuteronomy 25, verses 17 to 18. And it says, Remember what the Amalekites did to you when you came out of Egypt, when you were tired and worn out. They met you on the road and picked off all those lagging behind. You see, one of the key uh, 
things that the enemy will do to Christians, doesn't matter if you're a young Christian or you're an old Christian or middle-aged or what have you, is that if you are not in the community of believers or you're not really involved and you're on the outskirts, you've got, not saying it will happen, but I'm saying you've got more chance of being attacked and picked off than anybody else. Because it's only when people are together, you know, the enemy is, is a bit more reticent to come after people. But when people are out there on their own, they're exposed, they're weak, they're tired, they're hungry, as these Israelites were, then the Amalekites could come along and just pick them off one by one, and there's no resistance and no one to fight against them. And so part of our spiritual warfare is, is the need to be in community. Yeah? It's important that as Christians, we can't do it on our own. Yeah? Anyone tried doing it by themselves? Yeah, yeah. A lot of confident liars here today. Okay. So, yeah, you can't do it by yourself. We would, if, if we could, man, we would do it, right? We would have done it by now, but we can't. It really isn't God's best for us either. God wants us to be in fellowship with one another. Um, another one is about uh, part of your spiritual warfare is being disciplined and intentional. I've written here, if you fail to make a plan, you plan to fail. It's as simple as that. If, if you want to like go into the, get, get deeper and deeper in your walk with God, but you can't really be, I'm not being rude, I'm just being honest, but you can't be disciplined to you know, get up at a certain time of day and carve out a piece of time which is for God and him alone, Okay, whether it's in the morning, in the afternoon, or the evening. If you can't be intentional and disciplined in doing that, then you're not really going to get into really what you want. It's like an athlete. If you want to be strong, you know, you want to be like, you know, body, look like, look like He-Man, all right? Then uh, you shouldn't have been watching He-Man. I don't know why anyone's laughing at that joke. Okay, if you want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay, for example, not now, but as he was, um, then you have got to be disciplined. It takes hours at the gym, hours and hours and hours and hours, and you've got to eat the right stuff and do the right things to get those muscles and do the right repetition. And if you want to grow spiritually strong in the things of God, you need to spend hours and hours and hours in that spiritual gym. Because you're not going to get there unless you do it that way. It's just not going to happen. So if you want to get strong in God, you must be disciplined and intentional. Because if you fail to make a plan, you plan to fail. Okay, the next one, number seven. This is being humble and accountable. Okay? Being humble and accountable. For God, the scriptures teach us that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. To the humble, okay? Being humble and accountable. Being accountable is really important because it basically means we have to, um, we can't pretend. We have to be honest with people. I know a lady, she, tra she travels around the world, her and her family, probably nine months of the year. It just in ministry, they're only back in the UK for four months a year. I mean, it's just crazy. They're just always, always off. And she's like 70 nearly. She told me her age, they only fell off my chair. I was like, oh, really? Man, if I, was just, if I was like, you know, as vigorous as you are when I was that age, I'd be doing pretty good. And so, but she says that she's got people all around the world that she will go to and make sure that she's accountable to them. In a sense, she will always be honest with them so that basically the work that they're doing for God will not be compromised. They're taking the time. I myself 
you know, I'm accountable to a guy called Andy Elms. He's like an, an apostle, apostolic guy. And so occasionally, uh, every now and then, normally once a month, I go to him and we sit down, we have coffee and uh, we'll chat and stuff. And there's only probably been once or twice where he's had to phone up my wife and say, get Chris off Facebook, please. But generally, um, it's, it's okay. But I've made myself accountable. I've, I've allowed someone who can speak into my life so that if he says, well, why are you doing that? What is your motivation for that? Is that really from God? Is that really from you? Is, is that really what you're trying to achieve here? You know, is this, is this the best way of doing it? You know, so it's good for us to be accountable to one another. And, and it's, it's a form of discipleship as well, which I think is really important. Because we live in a culture where we, we, we live in a culture of superstars and uh, an instant stardom, don't we, with Instagram and things like that and the perfect selfie and all this kind of stuff. Apparently, if you want a really good selfie, you've got to hold the lens up like that and look up to it so it makes your eyes look bigger. Apparently, I don't know why I know that information, but there we go. So anyone who wants to do an Instagram post and look good, that's what you need to do. That's what I always do. Um, but anyway... <laughs> So, and it's like me as well as an elder, uh, all my elders are accountable to me, but I am accountable to the elder body. So if they all thought, they all came together and said, Chris, you, you've lost the plot here, then I, I'm accountable to them. And of course I'm married, right? So uh, I'm accountable to my wife as well. <laughs> I always thought I feared God, but... It says in 2 Corinthians 2, 10 to 11, Paul says that we know the schemes of the enemy. It's really important that we understand some of the tactics of the enemy because so often, right, so often we fall for the same old tricks. You know, why does the devil do the same old tricks? Because you keep, we keep falling for the same old tricks, yeah? And so that's why he keeps doing it because we're just so good at falling for those tricks. But as we develop these spiritual maturity and these spiritual muscles, in time you'll find the enemy doesn't quite have the hold over you that he once had. Now, in that scripture about the Amalekites picking people off, there's, there's, there's three key things here that I want us to, to look at. So, firstly, the enemy attacked, the, uh, so the Amalekites attacked Israel, the stragglers, when they came out of Egypt. So what does this teach us? This teaches us that I can guarantee that whenever you've come out of Egypt, i.e. you've broken free of bondage, and you've come into an area of freedom in your life, guess who's going to be knocking at your door? The taskmaster that wants to drag you back to where you came from, put you in a cage, and stick you back in Egypt where you belong. Okay? The enemy does not want you to live in freedom. You see, John 10.10 10 says that uh, Satan came to rob, steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come that you might have life and life in abundance. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to go into the promised land that he has for every one of us. Yeah, He wants us to come into that promised land. But as soon as you start breaking free, yeah, no Queen songs, please. As soon as you start breaking free, right, you can guarantee the enemy will come down and give you a hard time. Almost to the point to rob you thinking, oh, I never probably had that freedom in the first place. So one of the things that you need to be mindful of with the enemy is that if you've come into a place of freedom, okay, beware. I'm not cursing you. I'm just saying be spiritually aware for a counterattack. The enemy does not want you free because if you're free, then you are a problem. And if you get a testimony of freedom and you start telling people about that testimony of freedom, then you are a problem. All right? So you need to know that. And that's, again, it's a form of your warfare. Hallelujah. 
Oh, how many of us, this is another one, again from that same passage of scripture, it says, when they were tired and worn out, they were met on the roads and the Amalekites picked them off, all those that were lagging behind. Anyone been attacked by the devil when you're tired and you're at your lowest? Amen. Isn't that dirty? Isn't that just cheap and nasty? But you see, this is where we have got to be careful as well. As well. You know, so for example, me, I, I, I am a bit of a workaholic. I, I will admit that. So I have to watch my time. And I have, to, I have to pace myself so I don't go and burn out for Jesus. Because if I go and do that, then, you know, then the enemy can come in and start kicking me around like a can. So again, you've got to know your limitations. Because some people aren't actually physically able to do a lot. You, you know, that's no, no disrespect. Some people, they've got a lot going on in here, but actually their physical body is not capable of doing it. So you've got to know where you're at. You've got to know if you are capable of pushing yourself like that. And if you can't, then don't. But be aware that if you get to a point where you are tired and worn out, then you've got to be aware that you could make yourself vulnerable. And I'm not talking about, oh, I've done a hard day's work, I'm really tired. I'm talking about when you're fatigued in spirit, yeah, where you're just inside, you're just like, I'm so tired, but it's inside, you can't describe it. Physically, you feel fine. But inside, you just feel emotionally and drained yeah, within. Got to be careful. You've got to be careful that you don't put yourself in that situation. In Luke chapter 4, verses uh, 1 to 12, Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And then it says, then, after he got hungry, right? I'd be hungry day one, let alone day 40. So then after, after day 40, it says, it says he was hungry, all right? And it was at that time that the devil was tempting him, yeah? Because Jesus was probably mentally tired, emotionally tired, and he was physically tired as well because he hadn't eaten for so long. And it's again, it's just one of the attacks the, the enemy likes to do. Again, this is why we need community. Because when you are feeling weak and you're vulnerable, that's when it's good to be in communities. You can have people that can pray for you and watch out for you. But those that are strong can help those that are weak. And when those that are weak are better again, then they can help the other ones that may have t- fallen tired and weak. This is why we need to be a community. Hallelujah. And so, again, uh, what's the third one? The Amalekites picked off those lagging behind. Um, again, they should have been in the ancient Israelite church. I know some people go, don't, don't like the word church. Well, congregation, church, it basically means the same thing. Called out people that are in a big crowd, okay? So, there you go. So, the ancient Israelite church, when they were leaving Egypt, it was those that weren't really in it, that were straggling around the outskirts on the periphery. Those are the ones that got picked off. And so as Christians, part of your warfare, especially young people, okay, and oldies, especially young people, you know, you need to be, with with the environment that you're at in in higher education, that's a harsh environment because basically, probably 99% of your lecturers are secular and they are pumping you full of secularism morning and night. They don't even know they're doing it, but they are preaching to you and they are giving that to you and they're pumping you full of that stuff. And so it's important that then you have time to go to like your youth group and hang out with each other so you can be there for each other and encourage one another and strengthen, strengthen each other. You know, when I was young, I used to love our youth group and it was so important for me to be a part of that because if I didn't, then that's when the enemy started getting in. Hallelujah. You know, you wouldn't think of it, would you? Simply being together, chatting and praying for one another, it is in itself spiritual warfare that can protect us from the onslaught of the enemy. Now, just to bring this section to a close today, because I'll do more on spiritual warfare next week. But 
One of the key things that you need as well as Christians, it's all, right, it's all very well doing this list of, of, of things that you need to do to stay strong in the Lord and to keep yourself spiritually fit. But one of the key elements to you being strong and scary to the enemy is being full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So how do you get full of the Holy Spirit? I'll show you. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Excuse me. There it is. This is a really famous verse, but sometimes we, I don't think we read it right. Uh, where are we? Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 21. Okay. Do not get drunk on wine, in which is debauchery, but you must continually be filled with the Spirit. Okay. How, Paul? How am I going to continually be full of the Holy Spirit? Verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and singing praises and spiritual songs, singing praises and playing stringed instruments from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks to our God and Father always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. Praise and worship is one of the easiest ways of getting full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You don't need someone go, oh man, just lay hands on me, dude. You don't need any of that. You could just get your praise on and just start praising the Lord and it will fill you with the Holy Spirit. As Paul says here, don't get drunk on wine. Get filled with the Holy Spirit by singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. So if you want to get full of the Holy Spirit, and I'll tell you what, Satan doesn't like people full of the Holy Spirit. Now again, we can, we can see this from 1 Samuel about the power of praise and worship. There's loads in the Old Testament. This is a good one. 1 Samuel 16, 23, and it says, Whenever an evil spirit from God bothered Saul, David would play his harp, and Saul would relax and feel better, and the evil spirit would go away. All right? So if you feel that you're getting oppressed by the devil one day, okay, just simply, I don't know what your bag is, whether it's Bethel Hillsong or, you know, uh, some, you know, I don't know, 1972 charismatic hits or whatever it is for the older guys. But anyway, whatever it is, the older guys put on your K set and your vinyl, and for the younger guys, put on your MP3 players. But get that music playing. Get your praise on, because it will defeat the enemy. Praise and worship is so powerful. There's loads of, there's loads of stories we could go into in the Old Testament where it talks about how praise and worship literally vanquished the enemy. Uh, I think it's Psalm 149. It talks about how we have the right to praise and glorify God and it binds, it, ba- it causes kings and powers to be bound in chains and fetters. Yeah? So what we did earlier when we were praising and worshipping the Lord, we, we were just like enjoying Jesus. We we're just having a good time. But actually it's spiritual warfare and you're getting full of the Holy Spirit. All right? So you're loving Jesus, you're doing warfare and getting full of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what a good God we serve. Amen? Sorry? Double bubble, that's right. It's just, we just serve such an awesome God. So I just want to, this, that's all I want to say today, really, is just to keep it simple, keep it basic, and know that actually the simple things that we do as Christians is actually really important parts of our spiritual warfare that will protect us and protect you as an individual from being picked off by the enemy. Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wisdom that your word gives us, Lord God, to daily live our life, Lord Jesus, in in the life that you've given to us. Lord, I pray for us all. I pray you teach us and equip us 
and train us, Lord Jesus, and disciple us, Lord God, to be warriors for your kingdom, Lord Jesus, Lord God, that we are a people that are strong, Lord God, strong in ourselves and strong together, Lord Jesus, that we can become light in dark places, Lord Jesus, and we can advance the kingdom of God, Lord, not run away from it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.